This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Thank you for being here. Great to have you. Uh, sorry about yesterday. Those of you who were listening, uh, the first hour was live. We were rocking as usual, and then we, we had just complete tech meltdown. I'm not saying it's the Russians, but I'm not, not saying it was the Russians. Uh, so maybe they... If you listen to the Democrats now, of course, they cost Hillary the election. They might have cost me a couple of hours of phenomenal radio. Very upsetting. We were going we to have a historian of food flavors on the show. We'll hopefully get her on another time. She's very busy. She's a new book out. Had all kinds of fun planned. But then, you know, Cousin Yuri and the rest of them, they decided it was time to um, shut down the Freedom Hut, the Buck Sexton show. I don't know why. My Russian is just more and more turning into my Transylvanian. I need to listen to some Russian tapes or something on audio. So there's that. So if you're wondering where the podcast was yesterday, apologies. I don't think we I don't know if we have one up or not, but we the first hour of the show definitely worth listening to if you can get that. And then the rest of it was uh, we had to do to emergency audio. So and unfortunately, our emergency audio was uh, the aftermath of a terrorist attack that happened many, many months ago. So anyway, I know it was a, it was a. We had a we had our cyber meltdown yesterday on the radio side, and uh, we got it fixed today. We are good to go, as you can tell. I'm here live, and now uh, it's like I'm making one of those you know hostage videos or something. It is December fourteenth, Wednesday of 2016. Uh, so I am here. I am live. We are good. We're good, team. All systems go. Eight 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 nine hundred three three nine three. By the way, on those phone lines, we haven't talked in days. So I look forward to the opportunity to get to chat with you quite a bit. So. Here's what we gotta. Here's what we gotta be ready for, because uh, it's happening right now. This is the biggest story this week by far. I know there's other stuff going on, and we got Rex Tillerson, Secretary of State. We can talk a bit about that. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's, yeah, worthy of our attention for sure. But you see what was happening before, and I was part of this, and I played the CNN audio for you yesterday. Was the creation of of a, of essentially a a news story with this DNC hack that they wanted to get as much attention for it as possible. And the way they do that first is, and this is the, how the game works. Okay. It was all about election security and integrity. It was all about democracy. It was all about, we need to come together in a bipartisan fashion. And they love to cite John McCain, by the way, as though John McCain isn't the Republican who before all others loves to sort of call out for, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, in a sort of sanctimonious way sometimes, how this is you know, it's a bipartisan issue and wants to get nice stuff written about him in the New York Times and the Washington Post. 
but yeah, investigate. Investigate away. Fine. Do, do all the investigating you want. The more we find out about this, the more we recognize that this wasn't some super sophisticated operation, the Russia hacking. Uh, and I, it does look like it's Russia, although we, we they don't reveal the specific evidence because of sources and methods concerns. But it's definitely um, a situation where the more you look at this, you see that there's not much that can be done to that's going to be done to prevent this kind of stuff. It's very hard to stop this. Uh, but but the first thing they had to do was get everybody to pay attention. And the way you get everybody to pay attention is to give sanctimonious lectures about how this is about the integrity of our democracy. This is about national security. It's bipartisan. Don't make this a partisan issue. Recognizing full well, of course, that they're going to make it a, a hyperpartisan issue. I mean, they're telling us not to make it a partisan issue while you've got the chair of the Clinton campaign chairman of the clinton campaign a chair is an inanimate object people say this now because they don't want to say chairman or chairwoman but a chair is an object it's not a person so uh saying that the electors should get this briefing because maybe just maybe they should change their minds at the last minute I and mean, first of all they're not going to you know that's not going to do anything but also I mean, what an embarrassment you know on, on the one hand and, and they act like these are there's chinese walls or something that separate and it's not a microaggression it's a phrase there are Chinese walls that separate out various aspects of the sort of Democrat, you know, infrastructure, the machinery from each other. So you got Podesta calling for something on the one hand, but, you know, that has nothing to do with what the media is reporting on the other. I mean, please, we saw all the collusion. We know what the different networks want and how they're going about it. You know, the, the cat's out of the bag. We get it. Uh, but they were saying in the you know earlier on of the week that this was all about just getting to the bottom of it, right? We needed, we just need to find out the truth. This isn't a partisan thing. This isn't about... Now you've got a huge piece in the New York Times and many, many thousands of words. I and mean, it's going to take you a while to read through it, but I, I recommend you do. And we can, we'll post it up on facebook.com slash sex and just so you have it handy. And first of all, they liken the cyber hack to Watergate, right? So they're they're explicitly now trying to tie this to Republican malfeasance in the past, right? Oh, it's just this, this this is the digital version of Watergate, which is nonsense. Um, they also throw the FBI under the bus in a few places, which is pretty, I guess, to be expected. But they said the end. The FBI didn't move fast enough on this, and you know, one thing that does come out in this very long piece, the title of which is "The Perfect Weapon: How Russian Cyber Power Invaded the United States." One thing that comes out is that. There are cyber intrusions going on. All There are so many cyber intrusions that it's tough to keep track of them. And it's also difficult, really, to respond to them effectively. You know, what is the FBI exactly supposed to do? I mean, they have, yeah, they have digital forensic resources. They will try to figure out what's going on here. And, and in this case, they it all goes back to a hacking group that's named as the Dukes in this. Personally, I'm, I, I think a much cooler name is Fancy Bear. I mean, if, if you're going to get hacked by somebody, don't you want to get hacked by a bear that wears an ascot and has a monocle and walks around with a cane and just says, oh, hello. Uh, but yeah, fancy bear is much better. Uh, so they go into this very, very long piece, and there is some fascinating stuff that this, uh, that this talks about, this New York Times piece. Um, first of all, the hack gives you this idea that you have a bunch of Russian computer geniuses 
in some high tech facility somewhere who are doing a sort of brute force attack. And it's like they're in the Matrix, right? All these zeros and ones going across the screen. Matrix is an amazing movie, by the way. First Matrix is phenomenal. Uh, still, it holds up. It's amazing. That, you know why, by the way? Side note, didn't rely on uh, too much CGI. CGI ruins movies these days. Personal opinion, put that aside. It's not like they're sitting around there with zeros and ones, though. They just try to come up with social engineering schemes, right, through social engineering, which is basically a fancy way of saying trying to trick people, knowing that people are people, trying to find ways to get into their system by getting them to give access to the system. Well, how do you do that? Maybe you send them an email. You say, hey, your Gmail account's been hacked. You need to reset the password. Click here. And people clicked on it. And by people, I mean, according to the New York Times here, John Podesta, chairman of the DNC, or not chairman of the DNC, the Debbie Washburn, chairman of the Clinton uh, campaign. So it was a phishing thing, just like I told you with the Nigerian 419 scams. It was a, a phishing, PH phishing, like PHAT fat. Remember when that was a thing? When you said PHAT fat and that meant cool? That didn't last very long. Uh, it was a phishing scam that worked. So how do you prevent... That from happening in the future. I mean, you know, what's the congressional report on that going to look like? Don't click on links sent from senders you don't know that say, hey, give me your password. He actually he actually responded to that email with his password. And if you didn't think that was enough incompetence on the part of the DNC, get into and I want, also want to get into, by the way, the whole this is the truth that we learned about the DNC. It's not like this was disinformatia. Disinformatia? Is that how we say it? It's fun to say disinformatia, but I think it's disinformatia, uh, disinformation from the Russians. No, it was just information illegally obtained. But the New York Times, the Washington Post, they usually love illegally obtained information. So that, now this is bad. They love publishing Trump's tax returns. That was awesome, brah. That wasn't supposed to happen. That was wrong. And they knew it was wrong, but they went with it. OK. I mean, not OK, but let's just put that one away for a second. You have Podesta giving the email to these Russian hackers, giving his email password, I mean, to these Russian hackers, and then they get access to, he also didn't clean out his Gmail account. He's got 60,000 or so emails, again, this is all in this Times piece, stretching back for years and years and years, and, oh, isn't it interesting, by the way, Hillary Clinton, all of her emails mysteriously had to be deleted. You'll notice that Podesta, with his personal account, no, it wasn't deleting. He didn't delete 30,000 emails out of the blue, did he? Why did Hillary do that? Just as an aside, let's just take a moment. Let's take a little breather here. Interesting, isn't it? Hillary Clinton had to just do a complete erasing job of her emails. John Podesta is like, whatever, it's my emails. Like most normal people, it just doesn't really care. Maybe this is also something that reminds us all. I mean, maybe Gmail should give us all a function. You know what? I want all emails you know, before X year deleted and irretrievable. This is where we're heading, by the way. This is sort of an aside, maybe a, a digital philosophical note here. But the ability to both uh, regain some level of anonymity on the Internet and to get rid of personal data in a way that it really isn't retrievable, except I would assume by extraordinary means. People want that now more. They're, they're going to have to find ways. They're going to have to come up with algorithms uh, that can I know people are going to tell me buckets about it exists on so many different places. I understand that, and the complexity, the the uh, computer complexity is way beyond my understanding. I mean, I if my smart TV doesn't give me Netflix within two clicks of a button, I'm like, what's going on? I I have a meltdown. 
And a smart TV is definitely smarter than I am. Still don't have cable, but I've got internet, so I can watch Netflix and Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime's great, by the way. So you got Podesta giving away his, giving away his, his password. It was a really stupid move. You know, I'll be honest. Clicking a link, I've, I've, you have a little sympathy for that, right? Because there are things... There are things that have gone around on Facebook and, and other places, too, that'll say, you know, hey, really important news for you. Um, you know, I, I need you to, you know, from your IT thing, I just need you to click here real quick. I mean, I, I understand if you're in the midst of writing, reading lots of emails, writing lots of emails, maybe you slip on that. But sending someone in a reply, hey, here's my email password. Like, mm, I don't know about that. That's pretty weak sauce. That's pretty JV, even for Podesta. But then you get into this other thing. This was this was fascinating. Um a Clinton campaign aide replied to one of Podesta's emails. This is from the New York Times piece. This is a legitimate email. John needs to change his password immediately. Uh, with another, this is a quote from the piece. With another click of, with another click, a decade of emails that Mr. Podesta maintained in his Gmail account, a total of about sixty thousand were unlocked for the Russian hackers. Mr. Delavan, in an interview, said that his bad advice was a result of a typo. He knew this was a phishing attack, and the campaign was getting dozens of them. He said he had meant to type that it was an illegitimate email, an error that has plagued him ever since. This guy's saying he confused the words legitimate and illegitimate, which I suppose one could do, but that seems a bit strange to me. And that led to Podesta being told, yeah, change your password immediately, i.e. give it to the system administrator. Wow. This is a level of stupid. This is a level of, of, of dumb that you don't see all that often. This is really bad. But let's just, why am I telling you? Why are we getting details? Why am I telling you about this? Because we're being told that this is all about American national security and we need to prevent the next one and everything else. It's a phishing attack, everybody. This is like as old as the, this is as old as email. Podesta got fooled. Gave his password over. Now, and it looks like these, uh, this Russian hacking group or collective or whatever we call it was able to trick him pretty easily, and then they got access to 60,000 of his emails. But now the New York Times is writing about this like it's on a par with you know, cyber hacking of national defense secrets, breaking into classified information servers and everything. You know, this is all just a part of all that. And No, this is just old-school email trickery. Democrats fell for it. What's the and they knew it was going on for months, by the way. They knew this, that that Russians had uh, Russian hackers had gained access to the systems and were going through it for a long period of time, scraping around, looking for more and more information. And, you know, I've got it. I also want to get it. There's so much here. All right. I'm going to take a pause just because I'm running into the next break or running in the next segment. I want to talk to you about also what this information was and more of the motivations and this is all, this fascinating, fascinates me. Um, this is, they're, they're making it sound like this was cyber 9-11. I mean, you had former CIA, uh, well, he was acting director, Mike Morrell, saying this is the political equivalent of 9-11. That's just insane. That's just, a, that's just a crazy statement. That's just a whiny, sour grapes commentary on Hillary Clinton losing the election. I'm not saying this was, I'm not saying that this was okay in the sense that we should encourage hacking. But this really wasn't as big of a deal as everybody's trying to make it out to be when you really dig into the details. That is what I'm saying. Didn't change the 
didn't change the election outcome. And if it did, it only changed the election outcome because we knew more about the Democrats than we would have before then. Basically, the Russians had a better October surprise for Hillary than the mainstream media had for Trump. That's what it really comes down to. All right, go into a break. We'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Discover more at theblaze.com slash radio. The Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. Sponsor this half hour is Super Beats. Team Beats are a nutrition goldmine. They're rich in vitamins, minerals, electrolytes, and dietary nitrates. Now, you've heard me talk about it before, but it's important to reiterate that dietary nitrates convert to nitric oxide in the body, which is the secret to why it works so well for you. Nitric oxide can help boost circulation and maintain healthy blood pressure levels. You can get the benefits of three whole beets, which is where you can find all that wonderful, nutritious goodness in just one teaspoon of super beets with no beet taste. feel confident telling my listeners about this because whenever I take super beets, I get a boost of energy. It tastes delicious. You can put it in water, put it in a smoothie. It goes right down, and you will really enjoy it. Get uh, a, Take a, your phone. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, call 800-311-4367 or go to teambuckbeats.com. You get a 30-day supply free. It comes with your first order and is backed by a money-back guarantee. Also receive a free book, Beat the Odds, and free shipping on your entire order. You'll love the results you feel with your first free canister, guaranteed, or your money back. 800-311-4367, teambuckbeats.com, 800-311-4367, or teambuckbeats.com. Booyah. All right, back to Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear. There's got to be an amazing cartoon out there somebody can make about Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear, right? Cozy Bear probably has like – these are the names of Russian hacking collectives that have been known for a while in the sort of cyber community. But you feel, I feel like Cozy Bear walks around in an apron, you know, with like a – sort of like a bonnet on and, and grandma glasses and it's just handing everybody warm cookies all the time. And, you know, I'm Cozy Bear. And Fancy Bear, like I said, monocle, top hat, cane walking around being all fancy and whatnot, drinking lattes, driving around. And what's the, not the, the Prius is like the, is the green energy uh, sort of show. That's for green energy. For, what's the, for the fancy, the Tesla. There we go. Driving around in a Tesla. Cause that's what the really fancy people do. So the, uh, back to this New York Times piece. Cause this is their whole, this is now the case, right? This is now the whole case that this was a huge Russian, complex Russian cyber operation against the DNC and they did all this terrible stuff, and this was the political equivalent of 9-11 and blah, blah, yada, yada. Uh, I wanna, you know, I'm going to have to spend a little time with you going through what we actually learned from this. But I, I can also say this to you. I knew when I was in the CIA, for example, that particularly any .gov, because you, know, you have unclassified government email, anything we put in a .gov email could be subpoenaed, 
could be, uh, you know, on the open, unclassified side, you have no, you have no secrecy protection, right? You know, it could be subpoenaed, uh, could be hacked into, could, and we always knew that, you know, you had to be really careful about that. And even in internal communications on the high side, there were certain things that you wouldn't want to get into. I mean, look, there are certain things you just don't put in email. You just, we all know that. We should know that now. I mean, I hope they're teaching kids this in school. You know, just certain things you only want to say, and uh, you want to say it face to face, and that's the way it should be in the intelligence community now, and that's the way that you know certain DNC operatives and such should, I would imagine, conduct themselves. There's nothing really that that damaging in these emails, other than the affirmation of much of what we already knew, which was that the DNC is was uh, an appendage of the Clinton campaign, and they're a bunch of really kind of just venal. Annoying people. More coming. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Sexton. Josh in California, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. Welcome. How you doing, Buck? Shields high. Shields high. So the question I have for you is, I know, you know, everyone's talking about how Russia potentially, you know, most likely hacked into the election. However, you know, whether or not they were able to influence the American people or not doesn't uh, really matter at this point. But why can't we just kind of start to get along with Russia? Because are we just going to fight with them for the next... 150 years and just kind of go back and forth like because uh, the reason i'm asking you is because you have a vast knowledge of you know national security so why can't we just get along with them could everybody hear uh, john can you hear josh it's very soft for me but i want to make sure everyone here heard the question can john could you hear him okay everyone can hear him good all right uh josh you raise a very interesting question and that is well first of all before i address the question directly You'll notice the Democrats all of a sudden sound incredibly hawkish about Russia, right? Now, Russia is this uh, this menace, this threat. Anyone with ties to Russia is suspect in terms of being yeah. a senior government official. Um, friendship with Russia is a bad idea, all this. This is the same administration that was just trying to give bro hugs to Castro and to the mullahs in Tehran all the time, right? So, mm-hmm. so let's just let's just start there, this notion that we should just think of Russia as an irredeemable enemy. Um, you can make that case, but Democrats can't because Democrats don't believe in irredeemable. They believe that, you know, we've we have sinned. We have wronged. We have done things in the world that have made people not like us. It's our fault yeah. that this is happening the way that it is, um, that these countries have these relationships. It's previous dumb administrations before President Obama came on the scene that created many of these problems. Right. So start with that. And then you raise the issue of, OK, what do we do? In response to these cyber intrusions, it's a very complicated question. I mean, the DNC cyber intrusions are much less uh, troubling to me than what the what the sort of cyber defense community has been looking at for a long time, which is how do we protect critical infrastructure? How do you protect classified information? How do you protect the things that foreign governments really want to get access to? You know, an embarrassing email from Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Maybe the end of the world to Democrat-leaning newsrooms and to DNC officials and such, but and you know the Clinton campaign people, 
But for the rest of us, we want to make sure that the the Chinese can't turn off the lights, the power grid, and you know all of our defense systems, for example. I mean that that's what we're really concerned about. As to how we go forward with the Russians, a very interesting question because they've shown. Look, the Russians still have a lot of nuclear missiles, and I don't think that that really factors into this discussion much more than to say that clearly, you know, they're not they're not going away, and they have their own interests. They're pursuing them because of their natural. Uh, natural resource wealth, even with the sanctions we've put on them, uh, they're going to continue to be a big player in, in Europe and, and really in all the sort of former Soviet sphere. So you can take what's the position going to be that we're going to just uh, try to snub Putin? We're going to ignore Russia. We're going to I mean, do we want to treat Russia like an enemy? Because the Democrats now are sounding more and more like they want to treat Russia like an enemy state. That's a different yeah. position than uh, Putin is an opposition to many in opposition to many of our policies and is a dangerous actor on the global scene and needs to be reined in and we need to work with him in some places and try to stop him uh, outflank him or smack him down on others right russia's an enemy state seems to be the tone right now from a lot of democrats and it's clearly because they are they're still in sort of a denial about the election i think i think they, there's some democrats who believe they were going to be, you know, undersecretary for whatever, who are waking up and, and just don't believe what happened happened. So I think that yeah, that's, exactly. and uh, that, that raises interesting questions, Josh, for, you know, what, what do we do with Russia now? The fact that Tillerson yeah, has exactly. a friendship with Putin is viewed as a, as a huge negative. Okay, um, do we want somebody to be interacting with Putin as our secretary of state who's called him a thug and, and a kleptocrat and a, a murderer? That's not going to get us very far, is it? I mean, I, I don't know. Um, you can take it's just interesting to see the Democrats who are always the ones that are reaching out to despots and want to coddle them and be friends with them. With Russia, Russia is the exception now. Kim Jong Un, who's starving his own people and running concentration camps and working on his nuclear missile technology all the time and may actually use it at some point in the future. You know, we got to talk to him sometimes. But, you know, Russia increasingly is. Uh, or Putin is persona non grata, and the Russian people, you start hearing like the Russian people are not our friends. That's even a change in rhetoric. Usually, we just we just refer to the regime that way, the ruling, uh, the ruling body or the ruling individual. We don't refer to the people. Yeah. You know, we always say the Iranian people are our friends. The Iranian government is our enemy. In Russia now, we're just kind of going into this Cold War mindset of well, it's it's like a reconstitution of the Soviet Union. So. Am I am I getting? I know I'm bouncing around a lot, Josh. Is that is? Do you have a follow up? Am, am I giving you something of an answer? I know I'm making a lot of no, absolutely. I feel like you know that's a good. Basically, it's more of I think what you're saying is there's kind of personal feelings against Russia. Is that what I'm kind of following? There's some personal background that that's why they don't get along with Russia. And if we have the right people, maybe we can start to build that relationship. I mean, I think I think there's a chance to try and and see more common ground. Maybe on some look on some issues with Putin, we're not going to have common ground. It's just not going to happen. We have yeah. a, you know we have a very strong difference of opinion, for example, and that's a very gentle way of putting something that's a really serious issue. But you know, they think that Ukraine is a Russian satellite state, and that we meddle in Ukraine, and that we are boxing them in. I mean, Russian, it's actually fascinating if you look at it historically, Russian and Soviet, I'll use those interchangeably for these purposes now, territorial insecurity has been a major motivator of their policies uh, and their their actions for a long time. 
they've been worried about, you know, we see it as this huge state with tremendous resources. I mean, when I mean huge state, I mean, actually, literally, the, the country is enormous. But they see oh, yeah. it as they've got Japan and China as enemy states that they've had to fight with in the past you know, to the east. Uh, they have you know, they have sort of the Middle East to the south, you know, and Muslim states to their south. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and the sort of in the Caucasus region and, and also east towards the stands. Um, and then they have Europe with NATO boxing them into the west. So while we look at Russia and say it's a huge country, why would it have territorial insecurity? The Russian mindset is that, one, they've been sort of carved up in the post-Soviet era. They've lost a lot of Russian-speaking peoples, even in countries where they're the, they're the minority. And yeah. they are pursuing their interests at the expense of you know, free elections and, uh, you know, economic prosperity in some of these countries. And, and they're causing problems in places like Ukraine. But as far as they're concerned, they're preventing the dismemberment of really the sort of Russian Orthodox civilization, which is how they view, they view themselves as the inheritors of Orthodox Christianity, really, uh, which is also why they have such close ties and, and involvement with Serbia and, and other countries that you, we may not initially think of as in the Russian sphere, but it definitely are. So we are we're going to have to deal with them. There's there's no like, hey, Ru- you can't put Russia in a box. Nobody puts Russia in a corner. Um, yeah. And I think that having somebody that has a relationship with Putin might be a better. We've tried the sanctions and browbeating from the international community. Has it changed, Josh, any Russian behavior whatsoever? I mean, you can answer that question for me. Uh, ask that one more time. Josh, uh, I, I didn't hear what you said, but I got I got to bounce. Thanks for calling in from uh, California, Tom, uh, John. What did he say? Oh, he wanted me to repeat the question. He didn't hear me either. All right, sorry about that. Um, yeah, this is this notion that we could sort of uh, push Russia aside, or that we can we can just you know a lot of people like to talk tough about Russia right now. Uh, what does that mean? What are we really going to do? It gets very cold in Germany around this time of year. Where do you think their natural, 30% of their natural gas, where does it come from? Russia. Uh, We don't want to get into a hot war with Russia over any of these issues, right? We're not looking to have U.S. tanks squaring off against Russian tanks anywhere. We also have obligations through NATO and to the international community such as it is to be willing to do that, though. This is sort of the conundrum in which we find ourselves. But I want to get back into the election hack and... And how that all works. Uh, so let me, I'm going to, I'm going to hit the reset button here with the break. We'll come back and talk about what information was really released and why is that not of concern or, you know, a, a highlight of these stories. Why aren't people talking about that more back in a few Buck Sexton dispensing the truth on the blaze radio network. the buck sexton show hacking happens all the time intrusions into computers it's happening so frequently that we don't hear about it and the fbi is overwhelmed and we've got cyber command and the military trying to do stuff about it but i said this to you before and it will be years from now i think when it's a consensus conclusion but we will wake up one day and realize that more information sensitive information of all kinds has been stolen from the united states 
via cyber intrusions alone in the Internet era than happened during the entirety of the Cold War. I mean, you might be able to make the case it's already happened now based on what's publicly known. Uh, and this, over the long term, I mean, what, what is our real advantage over other countries? Te- technology, innovation, trade secrets. Also, I guess you could say, confidence in our institutions. Uh, but that's, of course, at the center of this debate right now. Th- there's this um, part of the discussion that doesn't get much attention, and I want to spend a couple minutes on it, and that is this. The media went all the way to the math for Hillary Clinton. It didn't work. I mean, they completely sold out any pretense of objectivity with obviously the exception of one news channel, uh, one cable news channel. But everything else was just destroy Trump, destroy Trump. And it didn't work. All the newspapers and look, many within the Republican Party and within the conservative movement also were completely opposed to Trump. But they were doing so openly and on principled grounds. The media pretends to be journalists right they pretend to be objective truth tellers it's one of the great jokes about media this whole that they speak truth to power i mean most of the journal most of the really prominent journalists i know all they do is try to give power a constant foot massage it's just gross uh but we we look now what the information was that was released why wasn't this stuff that and you know why wasn't this stuff that anybody was able to figure out or, or get in the first place it it took this Russian operation via WikiLeaks. And I know people still say you can't be 100% sure. Yeah, that even comes across in the Times piece. You're looking at a, you're looking at a puzzle and you're coming to a conclusion about it. But they, they don't have some smoking gun Russia did this. They just have a lot of circumstantial evidence about a whole bunch of stuff that when you put it together, yeah, it looks like Russia was involved. Okay. But what is the information that really came out there? Uh, so, you know, you assume that all this is true. There's an interesting piece by uh, Michael Tracy, who's a journalist. Uh, I've never heard of him before. I don't know anything about him, but uh, I saw this on Twitter, uh, and it's just posted on Medium.com, and he went through the results of the hack, the Russia hack, and he's, you know, what were the fruits of the offending hacking op, and he reviews them. You had the, you had the resignation of Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the DNC right before the convention, exposed as a pro-Clinton organ, which is what, what, but it was, this is true. And I think we all knew that, but this just, the email showed us that. You had Donna Brazil, former fellow CNN commentator, by the way, uh, DNC vice chair, was giving debate questions to Hillary Clinton, so trying to stack the deck for her. Uh, it just shows you that the DNC and the Hillary campaign were effectively one, um, and they didn't want the public to really know that, but it was true. They released Hillary's transcripts of her speeches to Wall Street, where it shows that she's a a lying phony who will say anything for money and change whatever she has to change at any point in time for political power. Okay. Uh, it, it showed a, some embarrassing communications here there. But, I mean, the main thing was that, you know, Bernie Sanders was getting the short end of the stick. I mean, Bernie Sanders was being, um, well, treated unfairly, I'll say it politely, by the DNC. Okay. We kind of all knew that. I mean, we know a bit more about this. And then there's the Doug Band email accusing Chelsea Clinton of being a brat. And when you really go through the, the most potent emails that were released in all this, it's just not a national crisis. I mean, the information. This is not stuff that is 
wildly damaging. It's stuff that I think actually American, especially with the Hillary speeches, which she said she would release and then she reneged on that. Uh, it's stuff that American voters, I think, were it was better off knowing. So what do we do with that? The information that was out there was true information, gave us a better sense of who these people are running the Democratic Party and who Hillary Clinton is and her top aides. Well, we knew more. We had more information for making the decision. And I know people could say, you know, it's a little bit like this. Let me put it this way. You know, it's sort of like the the situation of a person, you know, a cheating spouse who has, let's say, you know, a, a husband has his wife go through his phone and finds out that he's having an affair. And then the husband turns around and just says, how dare you go through my phone? Agreed that that's that's a breach of trust or let's say it's dating, you know, not even let's not make it husband wife. You know, a boyfriend's girlfriend goes through his phone and finds out that he's cheating on her. Yeah, it's a breach of trust to go through the phone, but that he's cheating on her information that probably should be had by the girlfriend. Uh, yeah, the Russians, the Russians went through the phone, so to speak. Not nice, breach of trust, not right and illegal. But the information that came out was pretty worthwhile stuff. So what, what are we supposed to make of that? In this New York Times piece, there is actually this sort of case made that the Clinton campaign thought that nobody should cover this information. I mean, what could be more 1984 than that? This stuff is out there, but nobody's allowed to talk about it because they don't like the way that it got out there. I thought journalists love their secret sources and they're exposing things and transparency and speaking truth to power. Not when it hurts Hillary Clinton. More coming. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. 